More importantly than anything, I believe today we have a man of God who has been assigned his vision, his plan for us to come alongside back in 2005 and partnership with him. Let's give this man of God a warm welcome. sit down? Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Um, I am humbled to be here this morning, and uh, I just want to, to thank all of you for, for the partnership and for the family you have made yourselves to be for me and for my family. I feel that I know all of you by name. And I know all of you by face because you are part of me and I am part of you. That is uh, Selma Branch. Is this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So um, you are my heroes. You are Yes, you are my heroes, and uh, I take off my hat, my cowboy cowboy hat. <laughs> I take it off for you. <laughs> yeah, I bring you greetings from uh, Ye, South Sudan, from the children of the Dreamland, from my own family, my wife, and my six children. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we are excited to be here. You know, I am. I have adopted two. Girls, maybe I am going to adopt more. Yeah, once we have a space, we will adopt more. <laughs> yeah, food is not a problem so, because we grow food. Uh, we thank God by his grace that this time around I, I came, I visited with uh, the Vineyard Church in Mishawaka. And uh, they did fundraising, the art for the art for the heart of Africa, and they raised. The target was to raise twenty-five thousand dollars to do the projects we want to do earmarked for this year, but they ended up raising sixty thousand dollars. And uh, yes, and uh, this year we have. Four children who have gone to high school, and next year we have we will have seventeen children who will go to high school. And uh, I was concerned of the fact that it was it is going to be difficult for us as a ministry to put these children through high school because that is really expensive. And uh, the church decided to raise money that will put these children in school, the 20, all the 21 children next year in high school, I think for two years. Yeah, Sandy, you were there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I am not going to be concerned. The pressure is taken off my shoulders. Hallelujah. Yeah, so for two years. 
Yeah, these children are going to go to school and uh, all their needs will be taken care of. Amen. Uh, and we, we thank God we have, we have been going through the work that God has, has given us and uh, through your prayers and your support, the work is, is getting easier. Amen. And this morning I have been struggling to, to share with the church here. I, I feel that, you know, there are many people who come here as visitors to share with you powerful messages, the word of God and so on. And uh, I want to bring something different. And the something different is my own testimony that I want to share. I know four years ago I shared that, that testimony, and uh, I will share it again. My brother Keith, yes, yeah, yeah, I will uh, share my story again, and uh, I believe my story will, uh, I, I see it as an encouragement. I see it as, as inspiring to somebody today, this morning. Praise the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, we read that verse this morning, and I want to start with that. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses and if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? We believe this is war. We believe it is admonishing us that we are in the, in, in, in the midst of, of war. We are fighting, whether we know it or we don't know it, by the decisions we make, by the choices, our own choices, whether good or bad, you know, this is part of the warfare. And God is telling us that he is training our hands to do war and our fingers to do battle. And all that is to do with the vision and the call of God in your life and in my own life. And our decisions affect this call of God and the vision God is giving us. And I believe I have made many, many mistakes i have i have fallen and i compromised sometimes through my work in this vision that god has laid in my heart so what i'm sharing today is that i am not a superman that i am any man like you and me and uh the same god who has used me to bring me this far is the same God who will use you and who will take you to where he wants you to be. So my story is simple, and this story is, is uh, it begins with the fact that I was, I was one of the students taken to, to Egypt by the government on a government scholarship to study. And that was the last group of the, of the students taken from the South Sudan to Egypt to study. 
and uh, uh, we were there, and this was in the time of war, when the war had just started three years. So we were privileged, and I believe it was God who was ordering my steps. And uh, it was a privilege because during that time, the war was taking a toll on, on, on most, of, most of us, most of our young people. So they decided, the, the people on our side, the rebels, figured out the only way to, do, to, to build up their army is to, to do conscription and to recruit into the army young people by force. And uh, many of my friends who did not get the opportunity to go to the refugee camps or to go to school, many of them were conscripted and many of them died. That is on our own side, on the SPLA side. So, and... uh, after I graduated in the school that I went to in Egypt, I had the opportunity to go back to Khartoum, and we were by then still one country. The country was not divided. I visited Khartoum to see if there are any opportunities for me to, to go back to the South, to South Sudan, and to, to join my family. But it was not difficult. It, it was not possible. Sorry. And I found out in Khartoum that it was the same case scenario. What they did in the South to conscript and to, to recruit young people into the army, the same was happening on the North. And you know, the, we, we, we were fighting a war between the Muslim North and the Christian South, supposedly. So each side was trying to outdo the other side by conscripting and, and mobilizing as many soldiers as they can. So even in the north, this is what they did to conscript and to recruit people, young people into the army by force. And uh, mostly they, they focused on people from the south. And the idea was to destroy them, to recruit them and take them back to to South Sudan to fight their own people. And uh, most of the people who were affected by that did not go back. Most of them died. And what they did was that they, they put roadblocks you know, blocking all the roads coming inside the city and, and, and the roads going out of the city. So in every means of transportation, the buses will be stopped and, uh, and uh, soldiers will get into the buses and, and pick out all the, the people they, they want to take. And uh, sometimes in a family, if... A young person comes out of, the, out of the house and goes to town, and he does not show up. He does not go back home. Chances are he is, he is captured, taken to the training uh, field, and for three months these people are trained, and immediately from there they are taken to the battlefield, and they don't return. They die there. 
So thousands and thousands of, of young people died in that way. And uh, I was arrested one day. When I came to Khartoum, I said that I came to Khartoum to see if I can be able to, to travel to the south, but it was, it was not possible. So I was arrested and uh, kept for like four hours. But uh, thank God, I know it was God who, who brought in an officer who just had mercy on me, and uh, I was released. And I immediately left. I went back to Cairo, Egypt. And back in Egypt, that was when I became confused because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. Uh, the only means to live was to to work in the Egyptian houses to raise money, small money to rent because our scholarship and the yeah the sponsorship stopped. We had finished our school, graduated, so there was no way we could make a living but to work in the Egyptian families. And uh, I tried, like many other people, to run here and there to go to the U.S. or to go to Canada, Australia, because many of the people those days would uh, go to the UNHCR office and be interviewed, and uh, mostly they gave false information about themselves. I was beaten, I was imprisoned, I am a political detainee, and all those kinds of stories to qualify them to go for resettlement. And I, I did that also. That was when before, it was before I got saved. I filed in an application and gave all sorts of lies in the application. But for whatever reasons, my, my, interview, my interview date did not come through for two years. And uh, after two years, and that was when I, after I got saved two years, they called me and said, now uh, you can come. We have scheduled your interview for Thursday next week, 10 a.m. And I looked at that letter, and I believe God spoke to my heart. You can go to the UN office and, uh, and support all the lies you gave, you know, or you can just get rid of this application and trust me because I am your refuge. So I decided to tell the, call the UNHCR office and told them, I am not coming. You can give any other person who, who wants to, to become a refugee. Hallelujah. And uh, in, the, in the confusions in my life, that time I didn't know what I was doing, and I wanted to force my way, any other way that I could have gotten to get out of Egypt, I would have gladly taken it. But it did not happen. So I became confused, depressed, and frustrated all the time. So it, it pushed me to drinking. So I began to drink to forget my misery and my problems. So every day, it's like that. And so it was in, in, in this setting that somebody one day showed up and shared the gospel with me. Very simple, it was the track um, Four Spiritual Laws, if you are familiar with that. 
And uh, one month down the road, he followed up with me, and uh, he, he shared from the truck. And I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was July 20, 28, 1994, 8 a.m. In st- street number nine. Yeah, so, so I celebrate that every year. Amen. So I got saved and uh, became an active member of a church. And that church was 90 to 95%. Uh, people from the U.S., Canada, and Europe, and and these people worked in the oil industry. So, and that church was very generous. The vision was good, and uh, they were into helping refugees. And uh, most of the refugees were from South Sudan, who became mem- members of that church, and some people from from Nigeria, Ghana, and other countries. So because I, I tried as, as much as I, I, I could that time to, to grow in the things of God, involved in different ministries. And I believe because of that, God lifted me up quickly and positioned, positioned me in, in a leadership. So I became a leader of this group, became the pastor leading that fellowship within that church. And uh, things began to happen. And uh, the doors that were once closed, when I was still trying to push my way, you know, to do this and that, to run here and there, and those doors were closed, God opened them up. All of a sudden, all these doors were open, you know. And uh, the, the, the pastor of that church, he went to be with the Lord, nice guy. He's called uh, Dave. He was from Canada. And uh, the Canadian embassy called our church to inform them that we here, we have refugees, people in your church, that our government want to resettle in Canada. So please give us a list of all the families in your church so we can begin that process to, to help them relocate to Canada. And the, the pastor called me and told me, you know these people, they are under you, so come up with that list. We said, fine. So I came up with the list, only South Sudanese. So I came up with the list, and uh, all the married people who are registered, and including other people who are not yet married. So in six months' time, less than six months' time, all these people um, relocated to Canada. Most of them uh, Almost all of them are today in in Canada. And uh, I did not put my name in that list. Under normal circumstances, I would have been the first in that list, you know. But because God removed the, the desire, you know, in my heart to go to the U.S. or to go to Canada, he removed it. So I had the guts to not add my name in that list, you know. So, um, because I just felt that God's way is totally different from my own way. And I didn't understand at the time what God really wanted to do in my life. But now somehow I know why he has done that. 
and uh, it is for the children and it is for the nation that I would be a platform, you know, to be a blessing to the people of South Sudan at this time. So most of my friends later on found out that I, I was involved in that process to make that list, you know, for the people to come to, to Canada, you know, and uh, they were calling me all sorts of names, you know, abusing me and so on, but uh, I, uh, I held my ground. And now I think it is, it is what God has done that when I come to the U.S., I visit the U.S., I visit the U.S. with the purpose of just being with you people and to share and, uh, and to be blessing to you and for you to be a blessing to us. And I go back. But this opportunity, if it is given to many of my people who come here, they will not want to go back. They want to throw away their passports and to remain here. You know, but I I thank God. I am I am I am saying that I am not a superman, but I am sharing my own life, which I believe will be a blessing to you. It will encourage you. Now I can share a little bit of what happened to me after I got saved. Um, I became uh, a student of the Bible school started in that church. And it is called uh, VBI, you know, we are familiar of Victory Bible Institute. And uh, we were the first group of people who went to that school. And I believe it was in the school that God spoke to my heart and he gave me the vision to go back to South Sudan, even during the time when the war was still on, when there was still suffering and pain. And, uh, and immediately after graduation, we were praying with a group of, of some young people, and God laid in the hearts of three other people to join this team to come with me to South Sudan. And we, we traveled to South Sudan immediately after our graduation. And it was not an easy road to go back to South Sudan to a land I, I was separated from for many, many years, you know, for more than nine or ten years. And... Uh, at the airport, when we came to, we went to Entebbe, we were, you know, that time was difficult between the, the country of Uganda and, uh, and Sudan because of the terrorism acts and so on. So uh, we were kept in the airport for eight months, sorry, eight hours. <laughs> we were kept for eight hours in, uh, at the airport and uh, everything ransacked and they were checking everything, throwing down our books and so on and so forth. But after eight hours, we were, we were released to go. And uh, we traveled from Kampala to the town, the bordering, bordering South Sudan. And there, we also got into another problem. The authorities in that town got us and put us in jail because they felt we we did not have adequate documents to to keep us in in Uganda so we were in jail for 3 days and after they released us we were told we are deporting you to south sudan and uh, 
deported, deported to my own country. <laughs> so we, we got there, and uh, it was very difficult when we got to South Sudan. Everything was difficult, and this is what they call in missions reverse culture shock. You know, everything was different all of a sudden. And uh, it was different, in fact, for the other members of the team. And we went through some difficult times of sicknesses, malaria, and all those kinds of things, things that happened to us because of um, the way we, we were fed. It was totally different. But the vision was still in my heart. The call was still active, you know. But the problem was now the contradictions and dealing with the contradiction. On the outside, I am the person carrying the vision. And when I come back home, it is totally different. Because we, don't have, we did not have food, we did not have this and that. We were living in a situation that is totally um, very low, you know. But God was still faithful. I believe if he showed me all those steps that I, I am sharing with you now, if all those steps were shown to me the first time I got the vision, I would have said no. Send him. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. So I would have said, no, send him. But the way God dealt with me was that he brought me to a place where I did not have any choice. Um, all my bridges were burnt. You know, he's, he has caged me in from behind, from left and right. No way, no way I could have, I could have done anything to help myself. So all that continued to 1999, and that was when uh, the year I, I was engaged to, to my wife. But the problem was the, the bride price. The bride price was a nightmare, <laughs> you know. We have to pay cows and to buy goats and to do all those kinds of things besides the, the wedding itself. So we did not have that money, and it was taking long, and my, my wife-to-be was bugging me all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, God helped me. One day I got uh, a newsletter from Joyce Meyer, and uh, in that newsletter she was sharing about uh, doing construction work. She was relocating to another city. And she was building, and she was asking the church to give. And so she sa I, I saw a part in the, in the newsletter where she said, if you help build God's house, God will help build your house. I said, yeah, I want God to build my house. You know. So where is the seed? Where is the seed to build? So I asked God, and down the road, God gave me $20. And this $20 was a fortune that time. We would have used it for food. We would have used it for those needs that were shouting at us all the time. But I decided to sacrifice that $20, put it in an envelope, and prayed over it. I, I sent it. And uh, I think one month down the road, she 
Joyce Meyer wrote a letter, and she said, yeah, we acknowledge, we received this, this seed, and uh, we are going to stand with you in prayer, and we believe God will visit you. So six months down the road, we, we got the breakthrough. We call it a breakthrough. A lady traveled all the way from Egypt, you know, to come visit us. We did not talk for many, 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 many years, and uh, we did not agree with her to raise any support or any money for us. She, de- she just decided on, on her own. She did not even know that I was in this kind of situation, you know. And uh, when she came, we met at the airport, and... Uh, the first thing she did was to give me an envelope, and she said, this is all yours. I don't want to keep carrying this because I don't want to lose it. So my heart was in that envelope. I wanted to so bad open it, <laughs> you know. But uh, I went home, and the first thing I did was to open that envelope, and uh, it, was, it was a miracle. $1,150, wow. you know. So that took care of all the needs of the wedding and the, the bride price and all the needs for, you know, for that relationship to be consummated. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, from 1999, that was where we, we were given the land for, for the dreamland. And uh, it was just bush. There was nothing there. And when I was given the land, I did not have money. I did not have all the resources needed to begin to expedite what we, we told the people that we would do on the property. So they said, what are you going to do with this land? This is a massive land. And I said, yes, we are going to do Bible school. We will do orphanage. We will do dormitories. We will do clinic. We will do... Um, all the things that we are seeing today, most of them, you know, and they say, some of us, some of them would say, so where is the money going to come from? I don't know, you know. And for some of my pastor friends, they will say, this kind of work does not happen here without any support from, from this organization. Or from, uh, nobody has done this kind of work here before. I said, well, God has told me. Amen. You know, God has told me. So, and when I go back home, the voices of the people who say, where will the money come from? It, it is those voices that are louder than the voice of God who spoke to me in the first place that this is what you should do. So it is difficult. It was very difficult. But um, I, I said earlier that it is because the way God was leading me, he just caged me left, right, and behind. There's no way I can turn to. And uh, slowly, every time, he shows something. And I learn something every time. So from 1999 to 2005, we met with Pastor Bill in Juba. And... Uh, I believe God connected us and he knit our hearts together. And uh, he began to pursue the conversation that we had with him the first time. And uh, 2008, 
I think 2008 was the year we started the, the orphanage, and it was all because of the relationship we had with him and what God has done in his heart and what God has done in your heart to believe the vision that God has, uh, has, has given us. So from 2005 to 2008, it's another nightmare, <laughs> you know. So, but today we, we look back and we just thank God for his, for his faithfulness. And we know that uh, what he has done to us, what he has done to me, he will do to you too. As long as you are willing. As long as you are willing, your own leading may be different from my own. But he has a call on your life. He has a vision he has given you. And sometimes because of the pressures, because of decisions, because of situations and circumstances around you, you, you let go of the call and you let go of the vision. But God has not forgotten it because the vision is not for you. This call is not for you. It is for people. It is for God's people. You know, and if for whatever reasons you have deviated, God will, God will still bring you back because nobody will do that. It is only you. It is designed for you. You know, so as I said earlier, I fell many, many times. I compromised. I was afraid. I complained, you know. But I stood up again and took another step. So I believe he can do the same to you. Um, what we need, I think what helped me somehow was that from time to time, in those difficult situations that I went through, God was building me in my spirit. You know, it takes strength, inner strength to help you to go the next step, you know. Because if you are weakened in the inside, we become easy on the outside. We fall very easy on the outside. This is what happened to John the Baptist, mighty man of God, who was, who was like John the Baptist at his time. No, nobody was like him, you know. And John the Baptist introduced Jesus. He said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he said, he who comes after me baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with, with fire. So John the Baptist knew Jesus. He had revelation of who Jesus was before Jesus became who he was. Before the, the, before the, the launching of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist had all that information, and he gave that information to the people. A mighty man. He, he shook the entire Jewish establishment single-handedly, you know, and he brought revival. Soldiers and tax collectors and these people came to him to ask, what can we do? Don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. One man, you can see the, 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 the strength that was in this man, you know, and the call of God in his life that he was doing. But 
One day he was captured and put in prison. I don't know for how long he was in prison. Is this vision going to end just like that? By one person arresting him and put him in prison, is this vision going to end just like that? You know? So he was in prison for I don't know how long, and the attack on his mind, the attack on his, on his thoughts, the thoughts that will come into his mind every day. You know, now that you are here, what are you going to do? Now that I got you here. Now that this piece, this, these people are not with you, they are not with you, what are you going to do? You know? So, it is in that situation that John the Baptist became confused. This man, this mighty man of God became confused in the prison. So he doubted Jesus, the man he himself introduced. He said, are you, the, you go tell him. Is he the one who is, if he is the Christ, he is, for goodness sake, he is supposed to be the one to deliver me from, this is simple for him to do. This is very easy for him to get me out of this mess. He is greater than Herod and his wife. He is greater than the entire establishment of the Jews. He can get me out of here. You know? So when the help is not coming from the people we expect, to help us, what do we do? That is where we have problems. That is where we, we take exits from where we are supposed to be going. That is where we compromise. You know? That is why we said earlier that we are attacked. We are attacked almost every day. Decisions we make affect the vision and the call of God on your life. Decisions, relational decisions, and so on decisions on business you know so it is part of part of your life and part of the call of God on your life so John the Baptist was there and I believe that was that was how he was supposed to end Jesus himself Jesus could have delivered him he could have delivered him you know, but I know that this this is how God had assigned for John the Baptist for the ministry of John the Baptist to end. So when the help is not coming through, when the connections are not helping, you know, what do we do? So what we are doing is we are asking God to always to to continue to help us to strengthen us to strengthen us, whatever, whatever it takes to strengthen us in the inner man, to strengthen us in our spirits so we can be able to, to move on. Ephesians chapter 3, we close with this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me, if you can put, just personalize it there. If he would grant me according to the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart through, through faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that I be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. This is the prayer that I pray, I pray all the time, the prayer that you pray all the time to help you, to help you. And if, if it happens, it has, it, has, it has happened that you have deviated, you have gone this way, you have gone that way. The goodness of God and the grace of God is that he can, he can still give you another chance. He is still willing to give you another chance to take that vision and to move on. And even if you are delayed, he will accelerate you to go to where he wants you to be because it is for his people. It is not for you. Thank you. God bless you. How many of you, this message was for you, not just his testimony, but the message of where you are at this very moment in your walk of faith with the things that God has shown you? And how many of you are going through some things right now that you know you're going through them, but you haven't seen the fulfillment of what God has shown you? Can I see those hands that are up right now? Stanley, why don't you pray for everyone right now? Okay. Now, let's pray. Father, you see these hands lifted to you this morning. You know the hearts of these people. You know the challenges and the difficulties that they have gone through. Lord, you have given them a vision each one of them and you have called all these people to serve you and I am praying Lord Jesus that if any one of them has gone to the left has gone to the right and they may have gone back on the call of God and the vision that you have given him would you please stretch your hand to hold them and restore them and bring them back to you. May the vision become strong again to overwhelm them to the point that Lord Jesus, they will choose to rise up and to dust themselves and to move on with you. Lord, may the faces of the people the faces of the nations you are giving these people as an inheritance, may they shine brighter all the time. May those needs, oh Lord Jesus, sound to the ears of these people all the time. I know you are doing that. 
I know you are doing something in the lives of these people this morning. Lord, if there are any of us here who have sold cheaply because of this and that, would you please intervene your grace to redeem that this time will be redeemed. Lord, may this time be redeemed. May whatever that is sold be redeemed. May it come back, O Lord God, in a new shape, in a good shape, in a better shape. We thank you. We thank you for healing. We thank you, O Lord Jesus, for healing, for healing in memories. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Stanley. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment all over their church here? I want to ask you the most important question that you will ever in your life answer. Pastor Stanley's life had gone through many things. A period where there's alcoholism and things that had really pulled him away from the things of God. And many of us have, and you may be here. And the question to answer is if your life ended today, do you know that you would be with Jesus? You may be here, and you may be like a prodigal child. You've walked away from the things of God. I have good news for you. God still loves you, but heaven is set aside for every single person that embraces Jesus, allows him to come into their life and take away their sins. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I, my life is not right with the Lord. I know it isn't. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have, but straight away. If I've described you, let today be the day that you make the most important decision you'll ever make. Just lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. We'll let the Holy Spirit move. Yes, I see your hand over here. I see your hand back there. Are there others? Yes, I see your hands over here. Just between you and Almighty God, that's why we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to move. I see your hand. Others, you'd say, I... I, I know my life isn't right. You, you may be here and you may say, I don't even know what you're talking about. But if Jesus will help me, that's what I want. Can I see your hand? Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. Every single one of you that lifted your hands, I'm going to ask you to make a very bold step. I want you to stand up. And I want you to come down here to the altar with me right now. Give them a hand as they come. Over here, over this section, here, over here. Yeah, give them a hand. This is the most important decision. Lives change for eternity. Don't stop. They're still coming. We thank God for each and every one of you for the plan, for the purpose that God has for your life. You will never be the same again. Counselors, whoever's in charge here, come on down to the altar. Stretch your hands out toward these at this altar. God has a great plan for your life. 
and I see part of it includes this beautiful child. Hi. Well, oh, my goodness. Look at, oh, I wish you could see this smile. Oh, you are precious. Oh, what a glorious day. I want you all to pray this prayer after me. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's never changed. Whatever has been done to you or whatever you've done, the slate is being wiped clean tonight. God has forgiven you of everything that you've ever been involved with. And not only that, he will never remember it again. He'll take it all out of his memory, and he wants to take it out of your memory too. Let's all make this confession right now. I want you all to pray this at this altar. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I've made some mistakes. I've sinned. But today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you have called me to be. Glory to God.